Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Hey, before we jump into the scripture, we are all going to fill out a life assessment. I know you, we, we've done that online. We see them in magazines. So if you could grab your bulletin on the front, you turn it around in the back. There'll be some uh, uh, ushers. If you didn't grab a bulletin, they'll be walking down. They'll hand you one if you need one. And um, grab a pen. You'll need that in the seat back in front of you. In this very unscientific assessment, we are calling a life assessment, okay? It's, the goal of it is to show how well things are going in your life. And we'll see it at the top. And let me go to ask you a question. And according to how well things are going in your life, you rate yourself one to five, one being the worst, five being the best. All right, category number one, health. Health. Are you physically healthy for your age? Five being... I'm really healthy, one being, nope. <laughs> Second category, finances. Answer the question, do you have enough money to provide for your needs? Rate yourself, one to five. <laughs> Third category, relationships. Now, these are non-romantic relationships. Are you happy with the quantity and quality of your relationships? Are you happy with the quantity and quality of your relationships? Circle one of those numbers. Fourth category, romance. Are you satisfied with your romantic relationship, whether it's your spouse, your boyfriend, or girlfriend? And if you are next to your spouse, circle wisely. <clears throat> and if you don't have a significant other, how happy are you with that arrangement? Fifth category, Work. Uh, this includes both paid work and work that you uh, do without pay, like caring for children and for uh, parents. How happy are you with your work life? How happy are you with your work? All right. Add them all up. Underneath the assessment, you'll see a total line. I know, doing some math in church. So add them all up and get a total number. All right, you got your number? All right, you'll see the result categories on the screen. So if you score between 18 and 25, you have very little adversity in your life right now. Things are going pretty smoothly. Life is good. If you score between 10 and 17, you've got some adversity. There are some struggles in your life, even some major, major obstacles, but things in your life seem to be going okay. Now, I know some of us scored between five and nine, and man, maybe your life feels like a whirlwind. Well, we are in a sermon series called Recalibrate, where we're looking at the book of Revelation and the letters Jesus wrote to seven churches. And the letter we're going to look at today, the letter to the church in Sardis, that whole church would have scored above an 18. You see, they were doing well in their life. Things were going really, really smoothly, but Jesus gives them a thumbs down because though things on the outwardly were going well, inwardly they were spiritually sick. Now, if you scored above an 18, this message is especially for you because at this season of your life, this is probably um, a season where it's extremely tempting to substitute God dependence for self-reliance, because things are going so well. 
Now, if you score on the low end, this sermon is for you too, because one day I hope and you hope you're going to get to that top end. But now in the midst of adversity is the time to anchor yourself in to your God dependence. So when things go smoothly, you don't substitute your God dependence for self-reliance. Well, I'm hoping to do two things during this message this morning. First, I want to remind us all that health, both, both spiritual and physical health, is much more than appearance. And secondly, I want to equip you with simple tools to become more spiritually healthy. All right, before we jump into Revelation chapter 3, let me pray for us um, as we continue. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, so much for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for the health and the finances, the friendships, our significant other. Thank you for our work. But Father, we pray that we, in the good times, don't substitute God dependence for self-reliance. Lord, we want to be a people who on the outside and the inside look spiritually healthy. So Lord, as we look at your word at a uh, very uh, focused letter to this church, help us to examine our hearts to see how spiritually healthy we are. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, got your Bibles. Revelation chapter three, starting in verse one. I'm gonna read the whole section and then uh, we will uh, talk about it a little bit. All right, Revelation chapter three, starting in verse one. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. <clears throat> so here we have a letter to the church in Sardis. Sardis was a upper middle-class city, a prosperous city. And the church there had a long reputation of being vibrant, of being healthy. If you would have gone to their church service, you would have looked around and think, man, this church has got it going on. Everyone looks good. Service is good. Everything seems to be going great. But Jesus gives them a thumbs down. Look look with me what he says in verse 1. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are are dead. You see, this church, though on the outside, they appeared to be spiritually healthy and spiritually alive. Jesus sees through the appearance. He sees their heart, and he sees that they are spiritually sick. 
You see, Jesus, he's not fooled by outward appearance. You know who is fooled by outward appearance? Everybody else, right? Especially in this area, this age of social media. You know, we can see someone online or, or see them at the playground or at work and they look healthy. They seem to have a good job. They seem to have enough money. They have a, you know, their family seems to be happy. And we look at all these things and we think, hey, if they look good, they are good. You know, we can even fool ourselves, right? We got the category. Well, my health, I'm healthy. Um, financially, I'm all right. My, my family's happy. I'm, me and my spouse are fine. My work's good. Okay, according to that, I must be healthy. I must be a vibrant, I must be living a vibrant life. But Jesus says that health, both physical health and spiritual health, is much more than appearance. We know that you cannot just look at somebody and based on their you know, waist size or their dress size, really make a determination on their physical health, right? I mean, I know people who look trim, look good, everything's great, but their cholesterol is like insane or there's some like hormone thing going on, right? And we also know people who might not fit the stereotypical shape, but will destroy you on the basketball court, right? Or in that spinning class. If we know that physical health is so much more than appearance, how much more spiritual health? We cannot look on the outside of our church, of our family, of our lives, and make assumptions about the spiritual life of that person. You see, as a theologian Kendall Easley says, a corpse may be beautiful, but it is still dead. I have a question for you. Does outward strength and inward weakness characterize your life? Do you look good on the outside, but in reality are at one of the lowest points spiritually than you have ever been? Well, the good news is that we serve a God they can reach into even the darkest points of our life, even the deepest, darkest sin, shine light on that and give us health. See, the church in Sardis wasn't always spiritually sick, but what happened was their comfort got the best of them. Look at me at verse two. Jesus says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in my sight. See, what happens too, too often is when we score high on that life assessment and things are good, our life is comfortable, then comfort sours in our life and we turn our God dependence into self-reliance. You see, God does not want you to go through financial struggle. God does not want you, does not want all comfort to be removed from your life because God is called the God of all comfort. But what happens is we, if we're followers of Jesus and we recognize we have a good, good father, we can firmly say yes and amen to the beginning of the book of James that says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
God loves us so much that he's willing to put adversity in our lives so that we will wake up if we're spiritually asleep. I remember I was driving from Virginia to Chicago, 12-hour car ride, and I was in the middle of Indiana on Highway 65. If you've ever been to the middle of Indiana, you have not missed much. Just the Highway 65. So you're, I remember I was driving down the highway. I had my cruise on about 72, right? Just a little bit over, but not too much. You guys know what I'm talking about. So I'm flying down the highway, and I'm kind of just enjoying the day. It was a sunny winter day, listening to the radio, just having a good time. And then all of a sudden, have you ever had that moment where you realize the traffic has stopped in front of me? And I just, I, I snap out of my daydream, hit the brakes, start skidding and realize there's not enough space between me and that tractor trailer in front of me. So I jerk the wheel over to the shoulder and ride the shoulder for about 10 car lengths and finally come to a stop. I tell you what happened. I didn't use my cruise control anymore for the rest of that trip, <laughs> right? Because I was, I had my trip on cruise control Everything was going fine. Then all of a sudden, something happened to wake me up. Question for you, is your relationship with God, your father, on cruise control? Are you just riding the wave of your life, just heading for it? Hey, if nothing bad's happening, well, the word of God says that that is the time to dig deeper into your relationship with God. Because if you speak to anyone you know, 50 or older, they can promise you adversity will come. And will you be ready? Will you be anchored in your God dependence so that your comfort doesn't sour your life and adversity doesn't pull you away from God? You see, it's Jesus Christ himself in Hebrews 5, 8, says that Jesus was a son, but he learned obedience through what he suffered. There's even effort in God the Son in his spiritual life. So what do you do? Say you're like, man, I, I think my life has been on cruise control. What do you do? Well, let me, let me show you a story of my life just recently where my life was on cruise control. You see, 2017 for my family, it was like a really good year. I mean, like, got two little ones. Deb and I are doing great. You know, uh, ministry at church is good. And things were good. But what happened, I had put my prayer life on cruise control as a pastor of Cuyahoga Valley Church. <laughs> I, had separ I had substituted God dependence, where I come to God, Lord, help me for everything in my life. I have begun to turn inward, thinking, I got this. I'm all right. Well, uh, I'll just jump into my email, all right? And I become self-reliant. I remember Pastor Chad in, a, in a, um, a leadership team meeting. He goes, all right, guys, I got away. He goes away occasionally to hear from the Lord. He came back. He said, look, the theme for 2018 is prayer. I'm like, a great idea, Chad. You know, I was convicted. I mean, and in that meeting, I was like, oh, so I had to leave that meeting after the conclusion and confess and repent 
of my sin of God, of, of self-dependence and not God-dependence. I had to come before my father and say, I would have never said it, but I acted like I didn't need you. You see, Pastor Chad, that means he said, everything we do here in our church, in our families, in our workplaces, must be founded upon prayer. Prayer is the lifeblood. It's how we abide in the vine. It's how we draw our strength from God. And if we're doing stuff and not anchoring it on prayer, it's like being, uh, building a house on sand. One day, the, the waters will rise and we'll wash it all away. Maybe you, in 2017, maybe your life was on cruise control with the relationship with your father. You need to do what I did. And what Jesus tells us in verse three, he says, repent. Repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I come against you. You see, repentance is not feeling bad about something. That has very little to do with it. Repentance means doing differently. My favorite definition of repentance is found in the book of Matthew, chapter three, verse eight, that says, this is Jesus, bear fruit, something's gotta come out in keeping with repentance. So when we're truly repentant, our life, our deeds, the things we do change, right? Instead of gossiping, we say good things about other people. Instead of laziness, we work doubly hard. Instead of pride, we do things that humble us. Oh God, Josh, I, I thought we were saved by grace and not works. Yes, we are saved not by works, but we are saved for works. And repentance is a work of God. So what do I do? I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm spiritually sick. I feel like I'm spiritually unhealthy, like I'm dead. What do I do? The first thing you do is to be born again. You see, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, and he died on the cross for our sins. He took our place so that we don't have to pay for the consequences of our sins. And Jesus was buried, and three days later, though he died, he was made alive so that you can be made alive spiritually today and then one day physically again when Christ comes again. But if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, have never had a moment, an encounter with God, then you're what the Bible calls a spiritual corpse. Just as a dead person cannot make themselves alive, neither can we spiritually. We must have Jesus to give us new life. It reminds me of a story from the book of Luke where there was a distraught man who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is sick unto death. Come heal her. And on their way, the daughter died. So Jesus enters the home and there's weeping and mourning and crying for the loss of this little girl. Jesus says, show me the body. He walks up to that room and says, clear the room. And he takes that little cold dead hand, puts it in his hand. He says, child, 
arise. And at the speaking of that, this once dead girl was made alive. And he ushered her into the living room and turned the weeping into tears of joy because Jesus raised this girl to life. So my question for you is this. Have you ever experienced the hand of Jesus Christ taking your own hand and saying to you personally, child, arise? Even this morning, if you are beginning to experience something in your heart, that's the pull of Jesus Christ saying to you, child, arise. And it today, if you're experiencing that, can be the day where you become spiritually alive for the first time. All you have to do is simply say a prayer in your heart with your eyes open, not even out loud, saying, Jesus, my spirit is dead. I want it to be alive. I know that only you can make it alive. Please do that in my heart today. I believe your death on the cross made a way for me to be spiritually alive. Amen. And if you did that for the first time, you truly meant it. We want to walk with you in your new life in Christ. All you have to do is take the response card in your bulletin, rip it off, say, I I trusted Christ for the first time today. And we will guide you through it. You can put it in the offering plate. All right, Josh. Well, you know, I know Christ. I'm saved, but I still feel spiritually sick. What do I do? Well, you know, the good news is, growing in your new life in Christ, being spiritually healthy, it's not rocket science, okay? You know, just like physical health, you know, there's a lot of diets and a lot of supplements, but I think deep down, we all kind of know the habits to be physically healthy, right? Like you eat fruit, you eat vegetables, you know, you, you try to stay away from things that end in Itos, you know, Cheetos, Doritos, <laughs> taquitos, right? You do that and you like move your body, you know? And if you do that, you, you're, you know, that's a good start to be being physically healthy. Well, you know, our spiritual health is similar to that. There's basically five things that you need to do to be spiritually healthy. It's worship, prayer, Bible study, serving, and giving. You've probably heard these before. And you experience these, these things in three environments here at CVC. The worship environment, the groups environment, and the serve environment. Look, if you do these habits, you will become a spiritually healthy person if you truly have the Spirit of God in your life. So I want us to take another assessment. Grab your bulletin. And on the back, you will see under the life assessment, you'll see a spiritual life assessment. And I want to take a few minutes to get an honest picture of how you and I, how we are doing in our spiritual life. In that first line, I want you to write worship. Worship. Now, this is corporate worship. This is the gathering together of believers. So here's a question for you. How is my engagement and consistency in corporate worship? How is my engagement and consistency in corporate worship? Circle whatever number it is, five being the best, one being the worst. Second category, would you write prayer? Prayer. How is my prayer life 
both in quantity and in quality. How was my prayer life? Both in quantity and in quality. Third category, Bible study. How is my engagement and consistency in Bible reading? How is my engagement and consistency in Bible reading? Fourth category, serving. How is my engagement and consistency in serving, both inside and outside the church? Fifth category, giving. How is my engagement in giving, both in consistency and in joy? God loves a cheerful giver. Now add them all up. I will not ask you to show your neighbor. How's it going? How is your spiritual life? How healthy are you? And I know, just as I shared earlier, there's some things in my spiritual life. I'm like, man, that needs some attention. I want to grow in that area. In my prayer life, I want to grow in my prayer life. So um, myself and a number of pastors, we had a long list of of action steps for you to do. And they're all baby steps. You know, during the new year, it's always funny to see people's New Year's resolutions, you know? You know, you see people post on Facebook or, or, you know, at at the office or at the restaurant, you know, 2018, I'm gonna go to the gym every single day. And I'm like, man, you got a you got a membership to Planet Fitness. You went twice last year. You know, like, how about start with like twice a week? You know, that might be that's a so these next these are these are baby steps. These are uh, simple steps you can take even this week. And on the blog, you'll see a whole list of resources of steps, of videos, curriculum that you could take to grow in your spiritual life. So worship, two tips for you. One, have the goal of attending worship service three times a month. Online does not count. If you're sick, watch online. Like my my wife, Deborah, our son Judah's sick. They're watching online. That's a great resource. But the Bible says, hey, do not seek the gathering together of believers. So if you can't, come. Shoot for three times a month. Another tip, turn your phone on airplane mode during the service. So you're not tempted to check email, text, Twitter, whatever the case is. <laughs> Prayer, two tips. One, next time you're in your life group, volunteer to pray out loud. I know that's hard for a lot of people to pray out loud. But if you make that step, you'll be amazed on how much courage God, God will work in your life. And you'll allow people to get a picture of your relationship with your father. Second tip, purchase one of those Valley of Vision books that Pastor Brian read from earlier and read one of those prayers out loud to yourself one day a week. On Mondays, I'm gonna read a Valley of Vision prayer out loud to myself and then just scale it up every week. Do two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. Third step, Bible study. First, you know, purchase an ESV study Bible. That is an excellent lay resource to understand more uh, what the Bible's teaching. And the second tip is Pastor Joe filmed a five-minute um, uh, video of the 6R method of Bible study that you can use in your own home. It's a very simple. Go online, watch that video, and use that sometime this week. 
serving. This is specifically using our serving in our time. And one tip is talk to your life group and make sure they're going to serve sometime this semester. You can do that through our Big Ten on cvcmissions.org. Make sure you're serving as a life group. Second tip, simply vi- visit cvcmissions.org. And you could check out the local and the global ministry opportunities and pray that the Lord pricks your heart towards something. Maybe he's calling you to go to Indonesia next year. And finally, giving. Now, CVC has been such a generous church, even especially recently, such a generous church. And we, we are so thankful for you. But here's some tips. Ask the Holy Spirit, should I increase my giving 1% this year? Second tip, this is one that I want to work on. Ask God to experience joy in your giving, not just as something you do by habit. You know, I want not, you know, giving is a regular part of Deborah's, you know, his life. It's just this thing we've always done. But I want to experience the joy that comes by saying, God, thank you for the provision you've given me. And thank you, I get to reallocate those resources to people in need, to see hospitals built in Ghana, to see the unreached reached in Indonesia, to see the single mom, the widow, the adopted orphan cared for, and I get to play a little part of it. I want to experience more of that joy when I give. Let me close with this. You know, I hope that the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to some baby steps you can take to grow in your spiritual life. You know, and as, we, as we've done every, uh, each week during the series, there's a prayer on the screen. And in a moment, we're going to pray that out loud. And after we pray this out loud, Kevin's going to come out, play a little bit of music, but we're going to give you a few minutes to go to the Lord in prayer, saying, Lord, show me my next step towards spiritual health, okay? So let's read this prayer out loud, and you'll have some time of personal prayer. Lord, show me my next step toward spiritual health.